I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. What is happening in blended learning? What is happening in online learning? Is education being integrated into one system? Or are we going to have many components provided by different operators? What's going to happen to alt school? How about summit schools? They are trying some new ideas out here. This is Paul Peterson, and I am visiting with Michael Horn from the Clayton Christensen Institute for Disruptive Innovation. Uh, He has been identified just uh, this past week as one of the nonprofit thought leaders defining what's next in K-12 by uh, gettingsmart.com. So, Michael, it's great to have you with me. And let me ask you this question. Are we going to have an integrated educational production function in the coming years? I don't think we will across the entire system. Education's too diffuse, as you know, and and districts are too stubborn, I think, for that. But what I do think you're seeing is alt school, summit schools, a couple of these guys that are on the bleeding edge of this movement who are frustrated with what's out there in the technology, wish it would do more for them, doesn't quite fit their interesting philosophies and spins on how a child should be educated. And they're looking around and saying, you know, I guess we got to build it ourselves. And so Alt School has raised $130 million, putting top-level engineers from the likes of Google and Facebook and Summit Public Schools, we've learned publicly now from the New York Times, uh, Mark Zuckerberg has loaned them Facebook people to build up a platform. And so I think we're going to, in all industries, you see the biggest breakthroughs you know, at the early onset, really take this integrated approach. And that's where you learn a lot about how these systems actually do need to work and function together. And I think a lot of people in blended learning are complaining right now. So why do they think they have to integrate the systems? What is it about education at this historical moment that some people at least think demands a more integrated system? Yeah, I think people are frustrated with the factory model system, right? The, the, the notion that I'm a teacher, I have 30 students, I lecture to you, and then you move on regardless of what you've learned, uh, and want to personalize learning radically. And they feel technology is the way to do that at scale. And then there's like thousands of technology things that you can put in, and they don't all talk together well, and they have different philosophies at their core, and the data doesn't all read off the same standards and so forth. And so these guys that want to radically personalize learning really leap into that future in, in ways that doesn't look like a, anything we would call a classroom. Uh, they're, they're feeling like they, in order to make all these things work, they actually have to build them themselves. So it's really personalized learning that's driving this. It's not like every startup in this blended learning space feels this is necessary. It is the people who really think that personalized learning is critical if you're going to have a breakthrough. So what is personalized learning? How do these, uh, how does Summit understand personalized learning or how does Alt School understand that? Yeah, so their definition of it might be slightly different from mine, but um, what I think is common is delivering the right experience at the right time for the right student, right? And, and acknowledging students learn at different paces, have different background knowledge, entering learning experiences, and if you just 
teach them the same thing and they have a misconception along the way, they're going to go way off into orbit. Uh, you want to be able to personalize for that. I think the other thing that they would both say, or the other things that they would both say are important, are this notion of um, student agency and choice over a piece of the learning process and connecting it into their individual passions at some level. And I'll editorialize for a second. I, I, I think that makes a lot of sense if it's a in, in a discovery of what you're passionate about for education. If it's the way to teach a concept through passions, I think Dan Willingham and others have shown that may not be as wise. <laughs> well, no, but also education is a social process. Yes. And you learn from your peers and talking with those around you. So if you personalize everything, so everybody has a unique educational experience in the classroom, say, how do you get the group dynamics that are part of the educational process? And that's what's so interesting about Summit and Alt School and why the technology isn't working for them today, because the project-based learning and collaborative-based parts of what they're doing, huge parts of the day. For some, the individualized stuff on a computer is like two to three hours tops, and three to four hours are in these group projects and Socratic discussions and the like. And getting these things that in some ways are running on opposite tracks uh, to sync together and inform each other and use the projects to build a need to know and use the online to build actual knowledge so you're actually developing skills based on something is a really difficult problem and that's why they sort of needed to wrap their hands around the whole thing. So my, my son and I have a disagreement on this. He is a project guy. He's a computer guy and they, you know he just loves working on computers as an adult. He's he's had, works with the team and this is his life, and he wishes his schooling could have been that way. Now, I'm frightened to death at that. You know, I love the fact that I could learn all these facts, and I could learn, read the, the history books and learn all that stuff, and then I could memorize all my math and so on. So isn't, how, is this personalized learning going to be for people like me or only for people like my son? No, I think it's going to be for both. I think it's going to break false dichotomies in the world because I think historically you've had the project folks at odds with the core knowledge folks and um, and and sort of saying, uh, but if you go to project-based learning schools, there's some that are quite good where they're really learning the knowledge underneath in the projects, but there's a lot where it's just like surface level projects and they're not getting into any real substance and therefore the skills they're developing questionable quality. On the other hand, you don't want just all drilling, you want to apply it to something. And, and so I think the unification of this that the online can do really well on helping you learn facts and understand clear, concrete things, uh, and then creating more time for teachers and students to spend on these projects, I, I think is actually a really big opportunity from this. But how can you introduce personalized learning as it's being defined by Alt School or Summit into a governmental-run system where you've got large school districts working under union contracts and with an accountability system being set down by the state and all kinds of regulations from the federal government as to how you're going to treat different categories of students. How is this possibly going to fit into the political system that we have created well, thus gonna, far? Yeah, it's a great question. It's going to take time, clearly, um, and if it happens. Um, what I think the wisdom of Alt School is it's a private school network, right? They're going completely around that and saying, we just don't want to deal with that complexity. Let's figure out what the solution is, and, and then we'll have that conversation. Summit, of course, is a public charter school. So they're dealing with some of those, not all of those pressures. And, and um, 
on the outcome side, not the input side. Um, but I think the answer to your question is, uh, and the district story, adoption story, will not be one of we radically overhaul every single school or create new schools, but it will more be on a class-by-class class basis, incrementally and slowly, <laughs> We move in this direction, and, and you, you know, in, in, in your book, Saving Schools, you, you sketched out the ability to take an advanced placement course from Florida Virtual School. That'll inch us there, uh, and then one day you'll say, well, why don't we also do something like this in a blended format on our social studies? Or and I, I think it will be a more gradual. Will it be process. individual teachers then who latch on to this idea and try to create their own version of? An integrated system? I think you're seeing some of that already with uh, teachers flipping their classrooms and trying to create the entire content sequence, um, which I wouldn't recommend. But uh, but uh, the flipping the classrooms, I think, is great. Like it's a, it's I think of it as the gateway drug into blended learning and personalizing um, because it, it, it doesn't afford you all the options that a, a summit or a alt school is able to do. But it it. it starts you on the road and then I think bit by bit we can start to have those larger conversations around the governance and you know the big thing on the accountability system I think for those educators on the ground will be realizing accountability is actually really important um, as long as they can free up the means to, to, to get there um, and then the second thing I would say on the accountability side is recognizing we shouldn't just be looking toward proficiency, but we should also be looking at each individual student's growth. If, if I come in four grade levels behind and make two years of growth, that teacher ought to feel pretty good about that. And that our system today doesn't do that. Well, we're coming out with a piece that you and I have written together about public opinion on all of this. Uh, and uh, so let me just sort of uh, uh, tell our audience uh, what the question was that we posed. Uh, we asked people about what share of instructional time in high school do you think students should spend receiving instruction independently through or on a computer? Now, there's some questions about this question, and we can get into that in a minute, but uh, what are the raw facts on this? What, what do people say when you ask them that question? How much time is the public willing to uh, uh, let a student be working on the computer? The answers to this, Paul, were fascinating because the public said 30%. 30% of the time should be receiving instruction uh, on, on a computer, which I don't know what you're expecting, but I, I'm curious, actually. But I... I I would have thought something lower because I, that's somewhat radical to be, uh, to be you know, I, I think of the public and parents as often fairly conservative around schooling change, and, and that, that's a pretty big leap, I think. Well, I agree with you. I've, I've tried this out on acquaintances without telling them the answer, and they, I usually get back about 20%. Yeah, okay. I think I asked this of Rick Hess, yeah. and he said 20%, said 20% he's supposed to know, and he <laughs> didn't. So therefore, it is radical new information. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, so, I thought it was fascinating, and then, of course... But, but then you you put together a pool of experts in the blended learning space. Now, how did you find these folks? I, I basically looked at a lot of the practitioners on the ground and some of the other thought leaders who are really leading the way in blended learning and a couple funders as well and uh, asked them the question. And uh, th they came back on average with the answer of 40%. And I would have expected, now to be fair, if you looked at the distribution, there was a bunch of them in the 60%, I think, range. But the average was 40%, which is pretty close to the 30. I, I, that surprised me. So experts and the public agreeing. Now, the teachers were at 20%. Yes. So they're, 
but even that isn't so much different. You know, 20% to 30 This is a, if, if we could only get the Republicans and the Democrats together, uh, as close together on other topics as the public and teachers and experts are on this topic, it would be a different it'd, world. It'd be a simpler, it'd be a simpler world. I, I was astounded with the amount of consensus here. Yeah, I think that's a, a really uh, fascinating set of findings. Now, of course, the question has been criticized, uh, and because uh, we use the phrase uh, "receiving instruction," and I think some of the blended learning people thought we should have used a different word. Yeah, I think the the, the shift that the blended learning folks are always talking about, and I'm always talking about, is rather than receiving instruction, learning, <laughs> Put, putting it, put it, changing the passive verb to the student actively engaging with content and. and and mastering it, right? And so and, I think that's where it came from. So this is the great thing about having the Ednex poll every year and having the experimental approach to posing questions because next year we're going to ask it both ways and we'll find out whether you get different answers depending on whether you ask learning. We're going to go back to those experts too. And we, we better because I was going to say, I, I, so the experts might think that they changed their answer. Let's actually see <laughs> if they do. And, and the public, let's see if they care about our wonky language use or not. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast, released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org.